Hello and welcome to Points to Defend. I'm Yasmin Stephanie. And I'm Jamie Barham. We've been waiting ages to do this. I feel like this is this is a week yeah, to start a podcast. We've had this idea for a while and we've kept pushing it back because just because we kind of weren't ready. Okay, so you're, you're going to get two perspectives from this podcast, essentially. You're going to get someone that knows a lot about tennis, a lot about the stats, the facts, the history... And then someone that just watches it and is like, yeah, oh, this guy's good. We're not, like, there are plenty of podcasts that you want to go to to get, like, you know, proper proper quotes, proper facts, all that. We will give you that, but... I'm... I mean, we'll give you ones that we know off the top of our head. Yeah, but... I mean, I can, I can remember the... I think I can remember the net clearance in centimetres from the Djokovic-Raunich match yesterday. I think Raunich's was like 25 centimetres or something, and Djokovic was like 43. I mean, I don't remember that because I don't have short-term memory. I mean, that <laughs> that's the type of stats we can give you. At least you'll bring something to this. But yeah, so... We're not like those people that are going to stay up 24-7 to watch the US Open because... I'm well, I'm most you. certainly not. I've got football to balance at the same time. Oh yeah, that's another thing. My sport is football. So, I mean, this is sort of a second sport for me. This is your this is your baby. This, this is, is your This is it for me. This is the only thing. Alright, well that's enough of the pleasantries in the introduction. Let's just get straight we'll in. We'll talk about actual tennis first, because I don't think there's gonna be much talking about actual tennis. Yeah. Western and Southern Open, which is Cincinnati. In which New is New York. York, yeah. I wanna start on Victoria Azarenka because I'm so happy for her. I mean, it's a muted way to win it. The final that never was. Yeah. I mean, do you think she'd have won the final? Knowing that Naomi was injured, if she'd played, I think we could have won the final. But if they were both fully fit, I don't know. And I was so excited about that final because I think if you look at the way this week went, which we'll talk about the pause in play later, there's no two more deserving women about to, to say. be in the final. Like Naomi deserved it so much after this week. And Vika, after the last four years that she hasn't mm. won a title in since before she gave birth. I, about to say, I think there's an argument for both of them deserving to win it. But yeah, I mean... Naomi obviously had the mental side of the game that that was hindering her essentially because she obviously said after her match after her, um, she barely slept. Yeah, she said she's like she didn't have she didn't break down mentally on the court. So I think going into that final, she'd have been at a disadvantage anyway. Not only with the physical injury, but obviously the mental side of her game was a bit distracted. And obviously Vika looked pretty comfortable in her semi final. So I think I think Vika would have won regardless. But I, I just to win off the back of a, an injury. It's 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 a, not a sad way to win it, but you you want to win because you were the better player on the day. She still got to the final. Yeah, and of course she dropped one set this week. If you look at her in Lexington last week when she played Venus, first of all, Venus looks so good. I I'm waiting for her to do something at the U.S. Open. Mm. I'm absolutely waiting for Venus to do something at the U.S. Open. She looked insane in Lexington last I week, mean, and you... Vika just. Vika looks so bad that you were like, does Venus look good or does Vika just look awful and she's making Venus look yeah, good? Yeah, but I think that's expected from when you were first tournament back. Well, she hadn't played at all this year. Well, what, in 2020? No. Well, there you go. I mean, she was she was on the cusp of retirement at the start of the year, wasn't she? I, she's, I think she's considered retiring. I think she said she's considered retiring so many times mm. over the last few years. Well, this this will be the, the little kickstart she needs in order just to push on then. Because I think once you've won a title, you're not going to retire off the back of a win. Oh, no. unless, unless you want to go out on, like, the ultimate high. But... Well, if you just think everything she's been through, like the custody battle, she hasn't been able to travel because she couldn't leave her child, and now she gets to do this... I mean, she's even. I mean, she's definitely playing the US, and I don't know how far she'll go in that. You still tip Serena to win it. 
I, just, I mean, you you want. I mean, we'll, we Serena. will talk about Serena in a bit because these three set battles are just killing her. That yeah, they're gonna they're gonna break her getting in the US Open. I mean, yeah, if you watched if you watched the Sakari match, you just that was just odd. She said she was tired the whole way through anyway because of her match. I mean, she was before. cramping. She mentally, she didn't look there. I mean, she looked like she was gonna break down after every point. She almost. Uh, she looked in during the point. She looked like she wanted to win them, and I think that's just the the fight of spirit and the mentality. But then once you win a point, she hit some. She was hitting some phenomenal backhands down the line. I think that was her in that final set and the tie breaks and everything. That was her best shot, and she'd hit one and then just looked so defeated. Well, afterwards. she saved seven match points, and she was close to tears every time she saved one because you could see she wanted to get off court, and it's really weird. And I like I said this on Twitter earlier, but I think it shows what a winner she is. And it almost... She could win the US Open because even when she wanted to lose the point, she physically couldn't. And she was playing some of her best points yeah. when she wanted... Well, not wanted to lose them, but... I mean, yeah, it's such a weird scenario to be in to essentially want to lose a point to get off the court, but physically not bringing yourself to be able to. I think that's just... That is just... The fact such that an elite, can't It's such an elite mentally. mentality, yeah since January all she's done is losing really close three set matches that most of the time she should have just closed out in two well, she closed out a three set against Venus didn't she yeah well she dropped in, the first in set in that one yeah. yeah and in the match before, I think that almost helped her Bruce. I think I think if she wins the first set and then is so close to winning the second set yeah. and then obviously has to play a third if you lose the first set you're going into the next set thinking god I've got to win this if you win the first set and then you're so close to winning the second and then lose you just think what's the point which is a bad way to look at it but you think if you've been playing these three set matches your entire year and you're just losing them constantly if you go into the third set thinking oh god here's another one of those you're going into it with a, a losing mindset and you're just like I can't be bothered mm, so well. I, I do get it but is there anyone else you thought that stood out on the WTA side? Your match of the tournament. My one of my matches of the tournament was Onjabur and Leila Fernandez. I didn't which watch this. Makes me feel like this is when I know I'm in deep with tennis. She just turned twenty six. Onjabur just turned twenty six yesterday or the day before. I think, yeah, I think it was yesterday. Onjabur's potentially my favourite player right now. Like she's not my actual favourite, but if there's anyone I want to turn on and watch right now, it's Onjabur. Mm. Um, men. I think I think for I think for this little bit, let's talk through the rounds. I think that we've got to start with Murray and Sasha. Andy Murray and Sasha Zverev. I mean, as good as Murray looked, he was given that. Oh, he was given the, that match. The end of that, the end of that match. Yes, because it was all double faults. Yeah, it was. It was a shockingly bad service match from Zverev. Yeah. Couldn't hit. Couldn't hit a first serve, and then couldn't hit a second serve. Although he did pluck out a 131 mile per hour second serve was it, at one was point. Was it 36? Something like that. It was ridiculous. 130 something. It was a ridiculous second serve. And then just couldn't find... He was missing like 80 mile per hour second serves in the final set. Um, Murray did look good though. You think he is, he's beaten... He took Dan Evans very close in Battle of the Brits. He has Dan Evans' potential round three US mm. Open. Second round, potentially Felix, which I really want to see because mm. we haven't seen Andy play these Next like Sitsipas, Chapeau, Felix. Yeah, I mean, he played Zverev and... He played TFO. He played Zverev... Yes, he did. He, he, looked he really walked good there. TFO. The final set. He Six dropped one. the middle set. Yeah, it's it's a remarkable comeback and he will shoot up the rankings. Yeah. He will be top 75, potentially top 50 by the end of the year. I think the thing that will kill Murray is, I, and I said this to you when we were watching Cincinnati, I think it will be the volume of games he's got to play. The only Just, thing is he gets a day off in between. Yeah, but I still, you think you're not, 
he didn't play tennis for essentially so long. And then obviously the break with COVID and everything. And then to come back and play these three well, setters. Well, he was potentially not going to play Miami because there's some weird growth going on. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's constantly, const- constantly injured. He hadn't played since the Davis Cup last year. And obviously the Davis Cup doesn't count as like ATP tour. So technically he hadn't played like ATP matches since he won Antwerp. And when was the last time he played a top 10? I think he looked very good for the state he's in. I mean, he was serving well, he was moving well. He his the penultimate point, it was a ridiculous get. Uh I think Zverev put it out wide and he just he just did a passing shot down the line, which he did very well to get to, especially that late in the game. So and I'm pretty sure he did the same against TFO. It was a almost identical shot. He set himself up in a good position for the US. He obviously won't go on and win it. Yeah. But I want to see how far he gets because if you think about Big Four, even Big Five, it's just him and Novak. I know he's yeah. not the figure he was when he was actually in like Big Four, Big Five, yeah. but there's just Djokovic and him from like that group, mm. from the elite group. I actually think he might have an advantage with it being best of five. You think he was on one hip trying to retire to Bautista Agu and he took it to five. He was two sets down yeah. and he won the next two. I know he did it knowing... In his head, he thought, I'm never going to play again. It doesn't matter if you I literally well ruin high, my body. Yeah. But let's say he has Felix in round two. I back Murray to win over five sets over Felix. Who else stood out, do you think? What other matches? I think we've got to talk about Dominic team and his just his collapse. Well, I said to you, before tennis even came back, before we knew who was going to be on the entry list, I said there's only two people that's going to win the US Open and Roland Garros, and it will be either Nadal or team. So considering Nadal's not here, I've technically picked team, and I don't I don't know how I feel about that. No, I've seen You think is he played, played he played something like 28 exhibition matches? He won the majority he of them. He won almost everything he apart lost from the team, team seven. seven. Yeah. Um and then he just just completely Well he said he wasn't injured, he said he just played bad. Yeah, I mean... Last year, he went out in round one to Thomas Fabiano at the US Open, but he wasn't well. You think he's been final of Roland Garros two years in a row, final of Australia. Yeah. I mean, if he's if he's going to win a slam, especially well, with Djokovic not on his A game. final, first one he didn't win a set, the second one he won one, and the third one he won two. So the next progression is three, which is the title. Well, you think of that, his next progression would have been... Australia, if that's the case. Yeah. But yeah, if he's ever going to win a slam, it's, he's 27. He's not the next gen. He's not He's not, he's not young. He just collapsed. He just didn't look on it. I want to see Bautista Ragu win the US Open. Yeah, he's I mean... He's just such a pure soul and he's so underrated. Like, he's such a consistent top 20-ish. Like, he's always up there. I'm really sad he didn't get to the final because he deserves a Masters mm. of all the players that haven't won one you think he beat, left he on beat the defending champion didn't he he yeah. beat Medvedev well up until this he'd beaten Djokovic the last three times in a row on hard Medvedev also just didn't look didn't look there well Medvedev's defending the final obviously points don't matter because of the corona rules but I think the break has really killed the younger players you can see a difference more like even Bautista Agu's not like a big four but he's more he's the established. age he's more the age of the big four than he is the age of like you know Medvedev sits to pass like mid 20s yeah you can even see a difference between people like Bautista Agu and Medvedev and Raonic hmm. it was a very 2016 if Raonic had won but like Vika won she hadn't won anything since 2016 like Raonic was really good those Bautista kinds Agu, of players yeah. Murray Obviously, he didn't get that far, but... He's done better than he has it was, in the it last... It was Murray Raonic. It was a woman in 2016 final. Yeah. We played here. Raonic had a good tournament. He was... Uh, he obviously, his serve is... 
I mean, there were a couple of big servers, and Sitsipas came up against all Sitsipas three, was just all like three tall, of the big servers. Tall, big servers. I think the shortest person he played was like six foot nine. I mean, he looked good. He his only big title is O2. Yes. So I don't I don't think he'll win US, but I mean. He, he didn't, he didn't exactly something. have an easy run. I feel like he's someone that's had like a very fulfilling lockdown because he loves doing all his, <laughs> I don't even know what his he does. Videos his videos and... His extracurriculars, his selling Lightroom presets and all that. And he likes being all thoughtful and like reading his books mm. and stuff. I think he's had a good lockdown. I think he's feeling good. If we're going through the rounds, I think we've got to talk about Djokovic because... We're d- going to talk about Djokovic in two very different ways here. Because I don't know how we he did it. Because we have two different things to talk about when it comes to Djokovic this week. I mean... But he... He looked so ill. He was literally gagging in the towel box against Bautista Agu, and he still won. And he lost the first set 6-1 to Raonic. The thing with Djokovic is he keeps he starts losing, and he goes and takes, like, paracetamol. And he goes and have a medical timeout. Yeah. But that's part of the mental game, isn't it? You think... You watch... You watch the player you're playing against. You've just beaten 6-1 in the first set, go have a medical timeout, and you think, I've got this. Yeah. And, and then you, you drop your level subconsciously, yeah. potentially. I mean, you, I don't know what Raonic is You forget you're playing arguably. Yeah. And... I'm. I'm gonna get. You've already had a go at me for saying this. I think the best player in the world, and I think I think will be the best player in history. I think he will, but I just I don't know. I don't want to say it yet because I just don't want to say it out loud because I'm not. Djokovic, you're gonna be very surprised in this. Djokovic used to be probably my favorite player ever. You've got a picture of him. Yes, I do. <laughs> from four years ago. Thank you. Um, Djokovic used to be my favorite, and then as I learned more about certain views and morals and choices he made off court it put me off but on his actual game i don't think anyone else could have been that ill and still and especially that ill and then have all the stuff going on off court with his little association that we will talk about and still come out and especially won that semi-final against Batista Agu and then won that final. And now he has every single Masters 1000 at least twice. It was a weird semi-final because he was 5-2 up in the on, final set. On Batista Agu's serve. Had loads of match points and then served for it and it just... No, yeah, he was 5-2 up and then Batista Agu was serving for it yeah. at 6-5. And then he won the tiebreak 7-love. And it was just like, what can you have done I don't earlier? know how Batista Agu went away there because if you're thinking final set tiebreak, you only have to get through seven points. I don't at, know. At the bare minimum. And I mean, Djokovic, he did look a, he did look a shadow of himself in that Raonic final. I mean, his first serve, like, average at best. He was hitting a lot of double faults. Like, you could tell he was off his game, but I don't know. He just... If he it, can he, win it like that, he's he's fine. I mean, he is, regardless of the injuries, he is favourite to win the US by, well, by quite a considerable... quick turnaround. Him and Naomi. He plays Monday. Playing Monday night tomorrow. on Ash. Yeah. Yes. Um... But yeah, I'm just if he if he was fine then, if he was fine when he was half throwing up against Bautista or Goo when he was losing six one first set to Raonic. And I'd put his two closest uh, competitors as Team and Medvedev, who both tanked it. Yeah. So I think regardless of what you think about him off the court, and there's obviously a lot of not issues, but a lot of things you can say about Novak when it comes to his personal life and everything and everything that's happened over lockdown and the decisions he's made. You can't take away from not only how physically strong he is as a player, but also his mental game. You think he used to rely on the fans going against yeah. him and using that to cheer him up, but he's done it. He was 6-1 down in the first set, basically injured and out of it. And with no fans, no one, not that support system that he usually had to go on and win it. I think that's pretty incredible. But then, do you want to get on to the latest Djokovic advancements, or...? Well, 
okay, let's talk about this association because first when we were planning this, I was like, it's early days. They haven't actually done anything yet. They've just announced it and kind of signed themselves up. So it's not that much to go off of. But... Over the last day, it sort of spiraled. Well, they've put out their very diverse picture of all men, mostly white. It's just such a good look. But this is the thing. I feel like people are not coming at me, but you can see from my Twitter what my views are on this. And I'm... I don't like it. And loads of people are turning this into like a Djokovic fans against like Fedal fans thing. And long before Federer and Nadal said anything about being against it, I was against it anyway. And it's not because of who it was. And Djokovic has made some really good decisions like over lockdown as player council president, which he is no longer because he's formed this association. It was him that kind of came up with that thing where like the top five and top 10 were going to donate this amount of money to divide up between the lower ranked players, which is really good. And I'm, like, all for a union association. I don't even really understand what it is because all, like, the founding members... It hasn't really been explained that well. Well, like, Djokovic, Pospisil and Isner, who are kind of, like, the three that have been talked about the most, you... They all talk about it in a different way. They're all seeing it in a different way. And it's great to have a union that's going to support all players, men and women. And especially lower-ranked players. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I want lower-ranked players to have, you know, better finances, better support. They do deserve better things like insurance and health and, like, help with paying for travel and accommodation and all that. It's just they've gone about it the wrong way at at the the wrong wrong time. time, Definitely. They need to solidify what they're going to do. Well, they've put out, like, a three-page document. There's no business plan there. There's no long-term plan. And I understand. People are saying, oh, maybe they'll bring the women in later on. And that's fine. You know, maybe in like six months, I'll be sat here saying, I love the union. It's done so much for tennis. Yeah, you can't but predict what's going to happen. But when you're first ever, like their photo, that photo is just white men. Mm. I know there's like a few that aren't white in there, but it's just white men who are higher ranked and they want more money. And fair enough, because I think it's something like just under 20% of Grand Slam revenue is what players get paid and they deserve like a 50 You think the players split. the players make up the yeah. slams. You don't go to a slam because it's a well-organised slam. They absolutely you deserve more money in terms of percentage of tournament revenue but it just looks like higher ranked white men going we want this, this and this which I know they're also doing it for lower ranked players and that's great but uh, Yeah, I think they needed to I think they've broken off and now are trying to get support when I think what the way they should have done it is get the support and then yeah. go look we're going to try and do this I think they've done it not on, not on a whim but I think they've gone this is what we want we're going to do this call to action now and then hope people follow us rather than let's get the support let's outline what we want to do and then break off and do it and I get I get the argument because it is not unfortunate, but it is sort of the way it's been that you think Federer and Nadal are on one side, Djokovic is on the other, and Djokovic has always been the sort of not the outcast of the big three, but the one that's sort of like the least liked. Yeah. And you could see why if you're a Djokovic fan, you you think people are just siding with Federer and Nadal. But there could be people that are, but if you look at it objectively, the things that they want to fight for long-term as a union are completely valid. They've established it in the wrong way. And you think of all the reports that have gone around, if there's been... When there was that talk back in spring of people saying, let's do an ATPWTA I was about merger, to say, yeah. Some of the men have been reported as being like, does that mean the women are going to get paid the same as us? And the thing that I want to say about that is, obviously, if the way that equal pay is going to work is that the men are going to take a pay cut, it does affect them. But if equal pay is going to happen by the women's pay being raised up to equal the men's pay, it doesn't affect them they're not losing anything Mm. and even if it happens in reverse and they lose pay and they are angry they're being paid less should they not be angry that the women have always been paid that much less yeah i mean yeah and you think that 
that shared union that was talked about in February or whatever, or whenever it was, was ad- was advocated by Federer and Nadal, but also Pospisil, who wanted it. Yeah, who, well, who's trying to advocate it. last US Open got together with a group of like loads of players, including Sloan, and they went to ask the Grand Slams for more money collectively, like percentage of revenue for the players, which is valid. Starting your union off like this, it's not the way you start it. And I understand that the ATP might not be doing things the way they want. And then, you know, the player council members like Djokovic and Pospisil could have had conversation with the ATP and felt like they were shut down. But nobody's ever dealt with something like this before. If they're not happy over the way the ATP are making coronavirus decisions, that's fine. But you need to cut them a bit of slack because when have they ever about to say ever this had is to a deal com- with something like this? This is a time where no one's been through this. And not just not just the ATP and not just tennis, but everyone. Yeah. And I think a bit of, yeah, you, like you said, a bit of slack has to be given to anyone trying to make big decisions at the time. You don't plan for this. No one's ever anticipated this happening, especially when you've got to make decisions almost in an instant and so quickly. And yeah, I mean, they're right to want more money because you go to Grand Slams and you watch tennis for the players. They make the sport, but it's just about how you approach it and how you set yourself up to be in that position and argue it. And yeah, I think the argument that people are trying to make is there's nothing wrong with the points that they're trying to make and wanting more money and wanting to support the lower players because of course that's good, but it's just about how you go about it. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it develops and what happens from it. It's not a good look right now. The long-term intentions, if they end up being fulfilled, they are good intentions. And it will only be beneficial. But, yeah, as you said, right now, in the midst of a pandemic, just before the US Open, where it's the first Grand Slam back and everyone needs to unite together, it's just sort of like a now, really. Well, you think... They, a lot of the players that are behind this are the ones that wanted to oust Chris Komoda's ATP chairman last year. So they got what they wanted. They got rid of him and they voted in a new guy. And they said they were going to give this guy kind of like a year to see what he does. He hasn't really had this year. I wouldn't class him having this year. I would class him having about two, three months. It's also also a horrible year to go into a first first year in the job. You know, I would, if I was an ATP player... I would actually see it at this point as we're going into the US Open, I would think, okay, he's technically been chairman for like three months because there's only been three months of normal play. And I know he's had to make decisions over lockdown and maybe they've not been what they wanted. But again, you do need to cut them a bit of slack that there's like, there's room for almost like teething problems to make the wrong decisions in Corona because they, how do they know I mean, everyone's good. You're never going to make, there, there essentially is no right decision because you're going to have people wanting, you're going to have people saying, oh, let's get tennis back. You're going to have people saying it's not safe. You're going to have people arguing for both sides. There is no right decision, but it's just what you... Yeah, it's it's just a... It's a horrible first year to have when it's so uncertain. And I think, yeah, it just needs a little bit of slack while he's just finding his footing a little bit. I agree with what Andy Murray said in this, where, you know, it could be a good thing. He doesn't want to sign right now because he thinks it's the wrong time and they haven't given the ATP chairman enough time to kind of, I guess, find his feet in the job and... They haven't given him the time to do the things that they want and he won't sign until the women are involved. And I yeah. think that's the only thing with it. Had they done this at the beginning of the 2021 season where they've given the ATP enough time to respond to their needs and they haven't and they've also behind the scenes been getting the women together and then they did this. Let's say we get to Melbourne in January if they get to play that and they take that picture there with like all the men and women and they're fighting for literally everyone's rights. Then yeah. that's when I'll support it. All right, well, another big talking point surrounding Cincinnati is the pause in play. Well, that is kind of a factor in the association. The letter that he, the open letter that he wrote to the ATP players was published on UB Tennis and I read it last night and he said that he wasn't happy with the fact that they were told 
with like, you know, five minutes or something to go. I don't know what it was. They were told with not that much time that there wasn't gonna be any play. And I know it's a dramatic comparison to make, but it's completely valid. The black people that are getting shot by policemen in America, they don't get five minutes mm. to be told they're gonna be shot. They are just killed on the spot, unprovoked. And even if it is provoked, that doesn't mean you can take their life. They are being killed by people that are meant to serve them. Mm. Even if they have committed a crime, that's not the response that you give. And you know, if you're mad about the fact that you've been told that you're not actually gonna be playing tennis today, gonna to be playing it tomorrow, and you've been told that was short notice, think about these people's lives that are being taken on no notice, their whole family is just being told with no notice that they've been killed by a police officer. Yeah, I mean, it's this movement was all started by Osaka, and it's pretty incredible that one player sparked a whole tournament to take a day off in support of this. I think it's even nicer that it's Naomi because you think she's such a big advocate she's come from for being it. like the shy girl and she said herself over lockdown she kind of had a bit of a realisation where she needed to stop being shy she needed to start standing up for what she believed in. I mean she's in a ma- she's the most she's the highest paid female, female athlete. athlete she's in a massive position she's got such a big like not a big pull but such well, a big audience she didn't even think it was and... going to do this she didn't think it was going to have that much impact i mean she, she just, just wanted, wanted, she to, wanted to do it for herself yeah yeah and she knows that she can't prioritize certain things when there's something bigger going on in the world which is completely fair enough it, it's good that tennis responded in this way to just one person wanting yeah. to do this and it, it shows that especially tennis i think of all the sports it's yeah like it's still seen as so white and so elitist and i was so emotional like waking up and seeing that they actually did this like i can't believe it because i wouldn't even associate tennis with doing this and it's such a big thing and the person this is like a 22 23 year old mm. well you think it also sparked lebron james came out and said he he didn't want to play the rest yeah. of the season like it, it it triggered plenty of other athletes and i know it's not the same but it's i know it's obviously not the same stakes and everything but it's very reminiscent of the Kyrgios and the bushfires where he just wanted to he just wanted to donate some money and obviously yeah. it spiralled into a whole event like it's amazing what these players can do if just one of them says something yeah. and that's and what Naomi was saying I think she said in press she was kind of waiting for someone to do it and nobody did so she just did I just think it was so valid like anyone any player or anything that thinks oh it wasn't fair on us like we barely got told i mean it's, it didn't involve it's, us there's in the decision. a lot like it, it just doesn't matter it's and one day up from tennis for essentially thousands of lives the thing that i understand is i think you are allowed to say you know it's a bit annoying because i've been training with this in mind it is a bit annoying because i thought i was gonna have oh, two yeah. days off before the us open as long as you like check your privilege within that and you and you say you know if you're novak and you're not feeling well this week and your neck hurts you're like it's a bit annoying for me that I now have one day less rest between and the final and the US Open. And that's but understandable, there's bigger yeah. things. As it's, long as you acknowledge it, and I don't think there's yeah. an issue of being annoyed about things like that, as long as you understand this was done for like a bigger reason. That's that's the thing. You can be annoyed because you are you've worked so hard towards something, but it's not about you. Yeah. There is a wider picture and there's a lot more at stake. And I think if you if you look at the bigger picture, you can sacrifice one day of tennis in order to advocate such an issue that is... You know, it's not like they called that... the tournament off. Because no. if they called the tournament off, Djokovic can argue, I was going to get my second career mm-hmm. Golden Masters, whatever they're trying to call it. Like, obviously that's not fair on him to have that title taken away from him that he could have won or on any player that was left in the draw by then. You know, I think Naomi made the right decision coming back. Obviously she ended up withdrawing twice technically from the <laughs> tournament. But... She was right, and she has a right to do whatever she wants. And everyone was saying, well, why didn't she pull out before the Conservate match? Like, if Conservate wanted to beat her, she could have beaten her. And people are saying, well, why didn't she pull out for her semi-final against Mertens? 
to Naomi, it's like she's done more by getting all of tennis to stop mm. altogether than by just her withdrawing as if she had the hamstring injury like a couple of days earlier. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, like, uh, also it's her job. I mean, yeah. she's at the end, I mean, obviously she's amazing that she's advocated for this, but at the end of the day, she's still a tennis player. She still wants to win. Well, she did enough because I saw Naomi tweeted by, like, Stylist Magazine, like, her decision, I saw come off my timeline, not just from tennis fans. I mean, it went around the world. It was everywhere, and it was literally down to her. The reach that she got doing that was pretty amazing, and I mean, obviously no one wants events like this to go forward because no one wants obviously this issue to go any further than it is i mean no one wants this issue in the first place but i think it's a promising sign that if it needs to tennis are willing to put themselves in a position yeah. where they'll do something about it and i know it's technically easier because you know there's like no tickets no fans to disappoint but i think and i know you can say like oh well they came back a day later and i think it was tacky that the usta still did the draw reveal for the us open on yeah. that day they should have pushed it back a day especially because i'm not going to get into a draw reveal right now but it's very stupid to not make the draw live like why you make it behind the scenes and revealing it you mm. may as well just do it live but whatever we'll, i think they could have we'll pushed that, that back a day yeah. but it's just i know it's like you're saying that, oh i'm just going to take what i get which you should demand more but in this instance i think it did enough especially what naomi did went everywhere and i also want to give Rownich a shout out because i yeah. actually i didn't like Rownich before this week and now he's just like everything he's really he saying he's impressed, really put himself in, in a good light yeah. yesterday as well on court okay we're going to wrap up because we've been going for quite some time. But quickly before we do, the US Open starts tomorrow. I've got to go Djokovic and Serena. I was about to say, who do, who do you think is going to win? Djokovic and Serena. Who do you want to win? And who do you think is going to stand out? I want, I think Djokovic and Serena will win because I just I can't bet against Serena. I think it's stupid to. Mm. I want Serena to win. I'd love Andy to win, but that's not going to happen. Andy's not going to win. Um, I would, ba- Batista Agu would be my ideal, realistic... Batista and Serena would be what I'd love, but I think it's going to be Djokovic and Serena. I'm going to go team. I think he, he's got some redemption needed, and I think that is a blip. And if he's not injured, if he's physically fit and Djokovic yeah. is... I think I think this will be team's time. The week next one, one of the US Open, we will... Come back, see what's week. happened, see what's happened with the Players' Union. Yeah. And, yeah, just talk about all that when it comes to it. All right, well, this has been Points to Defend, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed our first one.